0: tactical transition, navigating the civilian frontier, mastering career strategies, sharpening networking tools, and creating a successful transition plan.
1: about writing that that job description they said we want you to do this you know because this goes back to what you were saying in the last segment where you were talking about um uh it's important to know what you're bringing to the table for them. What are you doing for them that makes you valuable? What is their return on your salary? Uh, You know, what our compensation ROC return on compensation is the way HR describes it. So what is your return? What can you do that is valuable to them? So talk about that situation where you rewrote the actual job description. Yeah. So
2: first of all, we're lucky this is a podcast because if everybody out there listening was looking at my wife's face as we do this interview, you would know that I had, she did some great coaching after having taught uh, transitioning service members for, I don't know what, 10 years or so coming up to that point. And when I told her this company doesn't really know what they want, I'm going to help them. Um, oh, oh goodness. told me that was not part of the curriculum. <laughs> and then I was taking a risk which i actually think risk taking is important Uh, and i think if you've got enough options in place that if there's something you really want to do and the company i ended up with is really where i wanted to be because i knew some of the things that i was resourcing in that company were really cool and were really impactful um that's where i wanted to be Uh, and to me it was worth the risk to demonstrate that I understood, at least I thought I did, understood what they really needed to achieve what they wanted, which was to change where they were in the marketplace. Um, They were a services company and really wanted to take off in a products area. And that products area was the area that they wanted um, my expertise in. And so I was able to, carefully, um, rewrite and say, here's what I really think you need, because leadership in this space in the next five to 10 years uh, needs to be able to not only take you in this direction, but communicate back to your customer that you really get it and that you were willing to communicate technically and understand budget cycles and do all these other kind of things. And so, you know, I went out on a limb. I, I knew I had one um, job that was fantastic and the compensation was great and all, um, but I really wanted to be in this other place. And so my wife will tell you, it was almost um, giddily that I went after, I wonder if I can pull this off. Um, now, I have learned more from that company than certainly i Taught them in the process over the years, and I'm extraordinarily happy to still be where I'm at and be able to contribute. And I, I still think that's core to why I'm there. I'm not an engineer; I can't write a single bit or bite of anything. We have brilliant people that do that. We have brilliant former senior leaders that you know work at the really the highest levels of our market area interest. I have some incredible civilian leadership that have nothing to do with the military ever in their life and have taught me about business, um, real business, not government business, but really have to do P&L, profit and loss, and those kind of things. And I'm lucky they're mentoring me into those kind of roles. Um, But at the same time, I saw a few people that said, we really care what you think, and we're going to put you in the right place to be able to, to communicate that. Um, and to make a difference and so that allowed me to take some risk and say I I don't think you want a I think you really need B and uh, they responded very well to it now I may be the brunt of some jokes in the background or something that I've never heard but
1: that's okay that's (laughs) okay exactly and you know the thing the thing that I love about that and the, the reason I think that's important is first of all I I am a big believer in being the risk taker because I think it's the risk takers who, who move forward. I think that you, if you don't have that, you need to have that mindset. I don't care if you're, you know, people think that if you're an introvert, like I'm, I'm an introvert, massive, massive introvert. Um, but I'm also a risk taker. I love to try that challenge and I love to push to see how far I can push those limits. Um, and I think it's important to, that's how you, I, I just think it's a, a good, um, If you really want to push forward, you really, really being a risk taker is good. So I think that it was risky what you did and going forth and saying, well, you know, I I get you think this is what you want. (laughs) Let me tell you what I can actually do for you. But it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I mean, now we have to go back to what we say to all of our 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 uh, service members is you're always authentic. You always tell the truth. Don't tell them you're capable. This is not Hollywood. Because yeah, no in wrong. Hollywood, every every agent will say, if they ask you if you can roller skate, you're the best roller skater there. If you've never put on a pair, you're the best roller skater. No, 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 no. You have to be able to do the job. But if you truly can and you have a vision, there is nothing wrong with going to a, a hiring manager or that team lead at the end of the day. That's who's hiring as a person on the team and saying, I know you're thinking it's this, but I have a better idea and I know what I can bring to him. I just think that's genius and everyone well, has sure. that ability.
2: Hmm. Yeah, what What was also important there though was the, all the networking that had gone on that yes. I had a few people I knew well enough in yeah. those organizations that I could say, hey, I'm thinking about going left instead of right here. Um, you know, what do you think? And I, I knew that, Culture uh, yeah. allowed me to do that. And so it wasn't just research, but it was that network having a few key. I always tell people now as I work to hire them, the most important thing you have is somebody in the company that wants you there. That's yes. going to bypass all the normal HR kinds of things and they're going to make sure your resume gets read or gets seen. They're not going to get you the job. That's up to you. But they're right. going to, they're going to tell other people in the company that it's worth your time to read this resume and to talk to this person. Um, Absolutely, you know, your network—you've got to develop that as well.
1: Yeah. So I and you're right, George. The networking is—it uh, is the and we say it in our class. We say it to everyone to talk to. I say it to my husband. Networking is the most important. Tool in your job search toolbox, networking, networking, networking. And I will tell you, my husband has never gotten a job that was not someone he knew at that company who talked him up through, through the search. Now, again, it doesn't get you the job. You still have to interview and you have to still sell yourself, but networking is important. So I want you to discuss that. Well, um, Michelle? L- let, me, yeah.
0: let, me inter- let me interject here because George is telling a story that was incredibly um, awesome to watch. Uh, had I been um, george's you know, executive career coach and knew all the networks he had and knew, you know, all the research he had done um, and and what he was doing and then watched him as he was offered one position and said, this is what they're offering me. But look what I've rewritten them. I'm telling him this is actually what I can do for you. Had I been his a- executive career coach I'd have thought that was awesome and I just said oh this is going to be fun to watch being his spouse in that role though (laughs) the whole different thing is like wait perspective let me tell you um because I'm like no 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 you don't do that you don't tell them but you know what though that you know what Michelle though let me tell you that is a a
1: personality thing that is a thing because if that would have been me in that and him doing that I'd have went yeah Listen, what's the worst thing? We're going to be homeless. What's going to happen? We're not going to be homeless. Listen, We're
0: fine. Go do it. it. In, if it had been in somebody else's spouse, I'd have told them to go for it. But it was mine. And I'm like, wait a second. You got to get a job, right? And But I will tell you, it was probably one of the smartest things I watched. Yeah, because it's brilliant. In, it's brilliant. In, you know, in retrospect, what I watched George do is truly dive into researching the company and truly yes. dive into having not just networks, but well-versed networks. He knew the people who were talking, you know, that he was talking to and that were giving him information, they were valid. And so, uh, um, you know, like I said, I I was coming at it from the perspective, listen, I was coming at it from the perspective of a military spouse transitioning with their spouse. Mm -hmm. So that level of anxiety, that level of stress was on my shoulders, feeling like I'm leaving the the comfort zone of what I've not only grew up in with my dad, but, you know, for 30 years was in with George. And so it, we were going to be leaving the that military housing. We were going to be leaving yeah. those family readiness groups. And that was on my shoulders. So as I was watching him do this, it was from a, a, a different lens. Um, but from the lens of an executive career coach, what a what a smart yeah. move, but it took work and just like he goes back to that Plf part he knew um he had his points in order before he jumped yeah you know, before he told him. so so George, talk to us then about about those networks. Um, what were you asking your networks? Who were you networking with? Um, And what would you recommend uh, our audience to do in regards to networking? And lastly, how far in advance would you recommend that folks are networking as they're preparing to transition out of the military?
2: Uh, So I'll start with the last one. To me, networking is really kind of a, a behavior you should be doing throughout your career, right? Uh, like Cindy, I'm an introvert also, uh, going to a cocktail party does not charge my batteries, right? Sitting in a duck blind by myself with my dog, uh, does, but the intellectual preparation and everything else around it, or the, the opportunity to learn from people, uh, and those kinds of things, those are valuable to me and and part of being an intelligence professional all my life um, working sources and those kind of things uh, you know networking to me is a behavior but it's no different than you know people developing networks of friends uh, or anything else so it's it's a life skill i mean we saw it when we were in korea and asian society and the importance of all these very complex networks um, societally to them of lateral, vertical, horizontal relationships, diversity in those relationships, all that other kind of stuff. I I think you, you need to have that, uh, at whatever level you're at in whatever profession you're at and you work to maintain positive relationships, even though, again, I go back to my competimate kind of thing um with you know other people in my market space uh I, part of it is just sincerely interacting in those environments really having an interest in people having an interest in their success um being comfortable enough to ask them about their failures you know why do you think the government went with a different choice uh here than that and, and being able to have the trust and relationships that you could ask those kind of things. But when it came into networking with industry, again, I was a little lucky in the position that I had in the military and that I got exposed to all these different companies um, trying to work stuff. And so I had a big Rolodex of business cards, people had shoved in my hand um, because I let them come in the door uh, in the, in the Pentagon. And now I know they were all, you know, just running an approach on me. But, um, but to me, it was important to now flip those back uh it, I mean, the fact that they had tried to sell me something for a couple of years gave me the opportunity to know what they were interested in, right? Um, and so to say, is that something I could contribute to? Is that something I could make better? But my networks weren't just with the industry folks, they were also with just other professionals that I value. I mean, senior leaders in the Pentagon that I asked to, you know, I, I, I don't need a final OER. I can be part of your pool um, the first time in my life. I don't care. Center asked me, as a matter of fact, do it because now I can help somebody else get, you know, a higher evaluation because I'm not taken from them. I, I don't need to have a counseling on my evaluation. I want to know what you think about transition into another career field. And, you know, what would you do? And, and and just having a sincere interest in talking to others. And then, but but then I had to learn. Like I had avoided LinkedIn all my life and my wife properly trained me on the value of, of LinkedIn. And so I started, you know, developing that part. And I would say, at, I wish I knew and it had been years out but it certainly was a year out. Uh, I now counsel everybody I know in the military and tell them go to the transition program at least twice and start more than a year out. Uh, And I beat up my Marine buddies who won't let their young Marines do it until the last minute. Um, And I just try to sell people on the importance of, if, if, if we're a soldier for life, if we're, you know, a Marine or we're whatever else for life, our investment in people should be a true interest in seeing them succeed. So as leaders in the service, I would say invest in your young um, service members uh, and your peers, tell them to do it early, tell them to do it often. It's kind of like some people approach voting. Um, But you really, you've got (laughs) to... Yeah, it's another success. Um, Why, as a leader in the military, do we care about that? Because we want people to go out, succeed in the civilian world and be advocates for. We wouldn't be in the hard times we are in today recruiting if people left and loved what they did and had successful transitions and said, yes, that's a great start. Go back and do it.
1: Man, uh, preach that. Preach yeah. that message. Preach that message because yeah, that is your, that, absolutely
2: right. That carries over.
1: I yeah. tell
2: uh, people that I am. So there are all kinds of folks that have made the transition since I came over. And I, if they're the right person for my company, I tell them I want them. If they're not the right yep. person for my company, I, I tell them I want to succeed in the process. Um, And I help them, whether they end up choosing my company or they choose to go to a Competimate or they choose to become a barista uh, or, you know, or a farmer or whatever else. We, if you care about people, let's go back to mentoring. You want people to do well in whatever they're doing. Uh, And I, I tell them don't be any different than who you were in the military. If you counseled young leaders in the military and you wanted to see them succeed, and now you take great pride in watching them become, you know, successful organizational leaders and senior leaders and all kinds of stuff. You you want to do that in those same networks and relationships in industry. If I, and I have had several Highly qualified folks that I was upset at my company that we balked at the opportunity to bring them over. Um, and there's all kinds of reasons. You Sometimes you just can't afford to have all the talent you want. Um, and so, you know, I'll bend over backwards to help them get a job with a competitor. Now I'm bumping up against them in the same space. Um, and it's actually kind of fun, you know, but yeah. we help each other out. And if you have those kind of relationships, I think you can actually be better in business because yes. now we're not doing the the dance of the Black Widow, you know, to see who's going to score and still get banged to death and, you know, die in the end and, and kind of thing. But you can uh, you, say, look, man, I don't think we're best in this. I think you guys are, mm-hmm. um, you know, where can we help yeah. you uh, in this? And oh. my capture manager doesn't want to hear that, but that's what's really going on. CEOs of companies are doing that. With Absolutely. Their all the time. So when people succeed, you build those kind of networks and you nurture them as friendships when you're in the service. Um, and it becomes just a habit for who you are. Yeah. Uh, and it becomes something that you take pride in when you when you change seasons or chapters or whatever and do something different um to me you still genuinely genuinely want to see people succeed and to me networking is easy when you approach it with that mindset it's not a task that i you know it's not speed dating uh kind of thing where i'm trying to get as many cards as i can at a usa yeah. or yeah. at you know sea air land or you know whatever else but it's really who you are what do you do you know why do you like being there. Why was that the right fit for you when I speak to somebody I don't know? Um, sometimes they tell me it's not. Why are you hiring? You know, and that opens up other doors. But um, to me, it's so, just so that sincere interest.
0: Um, Some I want to touch on before I pass it over, Cindy. Something I want to touch on is what you said and what Cindy said. Both of you are introverts. And, you know, often we have that in our class and uh, our transitioning service members say, you know, that's just not the easiest thing for me because I am an introvert. And something that we have told all of our classes is you you don't get a buy on this. You know, you don't get to say, well, I'm an introvert, so I'm not going to network because you'll absolutely lose opportunities you'll absolutely um, miss out on valid research excuse me I'm sorry valid relationships professional relationships how did you um how did you begin that process like what was it that you said to folks when you were beginning that process of getting ready to transition out what would what would you do to open that door of conversation
2: uh, so, Cindy will validate this. First of all, as an introvert, that doesn't mean we don't want to talk to folks. Sometimes it's a really fun game yep. to do it. Uh, and since we are masters of and rulers of the universe, you know, sometimes it, it, it yep. it's just entertaining. But, uh, yeah.
1: It is. It's a fun game.
2: <laughs> uh, but, uh, I mean, I I would just be honest with folks. Hey, I'm getting ready to to leave the military. I'm thinking about leaving the military, or even before I had hit a decision point. You know, I had kind of DPs in my life of uh, get selected for this or do that or not make the transition. Um, a DPs decision points. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it. I I was just sincerely interested hey you know how did you make that change if you and it's a human intelligence technique right don't talk about yourself talk get the other person talking about themselves that's the easiest thing to do people won't shut up talking about themselves if you find something that they're interested in and that you can at least appear to have a mutual interest in uh, and hopefully sincerely you do, but ask them. Ask them about why did they choose, how did they choose, and you'll get to hear all kinds of things. Um, and so that, that, to me, is one of the easiest. And then the other is to co-opt them into your solution, right? Is, uh, hey, this is what I'm thinking about doing. Do you think that would work? Or is that, you know, again, flipping it back to them, and get them to talk about it, rather than you just laying out your thing. Same opportunity. If you had an elevator um, pitch opportunity, one of the best things to do is, hey, what do you do? What's important to you guys? And you know, if you were used car salesman, you could take anything anybody said and still find a way to flip it back and sell it. So at least you get them giving you something and then you can respond to it. And now you deliver your your elevator pitch um but to me it's it's that's the easiest way to do it is ask sincerely ask somebody else about why they made a choice or how they made that choice or you know what put them in the position to make that choice um those kind of things I think it's, you know again being an introvert at a party it's a lot easier to, for me to ask other people to talk than for me, me to talk and so I think you use that just uh, human nature um, to kind of set up and open a door for you, yourself, then to give your pitch or say, "Hey, would you mind taking a look at a resume?" We do that all the time. I mean, I'm lucky I get to abuse my spouse here. And hey, so and so is getting ready to transition. Will you take a look at their resume for him?
0: Um, so, <laughs> and, and I will every time. We we will Absolutely. always help.
1: It is funny, though, the way that George describes that, though, that conversation with networks, with trying to build that networking opportunity. That's I think that's what I think networking is easier as an introvert than an extrovert, because I've watched this with people. Extroverts, first of all, get very excited and they collect people, just all people. They just collect everyone and they just will tell their story to anyone who will listen.
2: We get turned off and we leave.
0: Yeah.
1: Exactly. (laughs) We are we are as an introvert though, we're usually pretty methodical about the way that we deal with people. And we are great, generally speaking. You know, everything is generally speaking. Generally speaking, introverts are very good listeners. So that's the way I start every every client situation I have. It's easy for me to be a coach. Because I actually genuinely want to hear about the person, I'm not interested in telling them about how great I am as a coach. Couldn't care less. And you'll see, an extrovert coach will always start out with what can I can do for you. I don't. I want to know what you need me to do for you first. And so that's the networking. Tell me what you need. Yeah. Tell me what I can. Tell me what you need, and then I'll let you know if somewhere in there I fit. But just let me hear all about you. And that's, I, I do you know,
2: some business development meetings all the time are yeah. we get five minutes with someone at a USA or a meeting and everybody yes. on the team wants to tell them everything we can do. And the two most important things I think we do is ask them, what is it you need? You are we delivering what you want? You Again, let them talk. But you know, then I can, okay, now I need to focus on these areas. I can hone my delivery and all. And when it comes to people, I spend much more time with the people that I work with in government and in other industries talking about common interests uh, with them than I ever do trying to pitch or sell them something. I want to develop trust and a relationship. And then I have the opportunity to, you know, how many red cars you want or what color and how many right um versus just trying to impress them and sell them on everything and they never get a a second to say i want the green car not the red car uh kind of thing so i agree it i agree with you i think it's easy for an introvert because we really don't want to talk right and when we want to actually want to say something important
1: Yes, methodical, methodical
2: um, kind of thing. You know, yeah. We get a feeling certain you don't value what we said because it was really going to be life changing for you. You just don't know exactly.
1: So what's wrong with you? Uh, Uh, But but it is funny (laughs) though. You too,
0: you too. But
1: but here's what's interesting with the networking because it's just like a cover letter. Or, or a response email to an informational interview. You can sit there and, and send an email and say, you know, all the things about yourself you know, or you could write the email about what they told you that you retained and you know it's important and I know I can be an asset in this and I can, my approach would be this to that, to your situation. It's all about what you can do for them. That's how you get into, uh, into the best position for that.
2: Yeah, the, um, the risky part interview. about rewriting my job description was just that. I had heard and listened and knew where the company wanted to go. Right. I was able to tell them that back and say, here's where I can help position you to do
1: that. And And you know what that did for you is that made you uniquely, uniquely qualified for what the company needed. You let them know they needed something they didn't even know they needed because you listened. You did your research. You listened to everybody. Now, is that a lot of work? Yeah. Yeah. But the payoff is the job that you really enjoy working with the people you really enjoy getting paid, the money you want to get paid, and, and and having that life balance so that you can be on the school board, you can volunteer for uh, Valor and Honor outdoors, you can you know do all the things, you spend time with your family and your grandkids. That's the payoff of the hard work. Uh, one of oh. the uh, Brady says all the time, treat your transition like the job you want to keep. And and I was just going to remind you of Brady's
0: coming. Yeah. his yeah, treat transition a, like the job you want to keep. You want know? to keep,
1: absolutely. And and I will tell you, my husband has been out of the military since 1991. And that transition was a tough transition. And he has transitioned many times in his corporate career, always to the better. It's always a transition. It's not the last of it. It's That's okay.
2: In the, in the services, we were used to every several years changing. Um, and and to some extent, you kind of look forward to new opportunities. You hated leaving what you're leaving. But one of the things that struck me the most about corporate America is, at least in today's world, people are hyper-comfortable um, jumping from job to job and moving around and all, yeah. and that is counterculture to me. I actually, yeah. like you said, the, the company that I went to, I would like to spend the rest of my sure. life with. I've researched them enough, I believe in what they do. Uh, and that's where I want to be. I don't want to be in that game of hopping around and, and playing. Um, and I, I think as a line leader, that would make me I'd have a different approach to hiring and firing, too, because sometimes in corporate America, we are comfortable, no notice firing. Yeah. Um, and I I don't like that at all. Yeah. Um, but I just uh, that that culture of playing one against the other and, and hopping around, um, you know, I I, I I just don't like it. And, yeah. uh, you know, wanted to be where I'm at and I was
1: lucky that the two matched up. You know, that used to be such the thing. I mean, like, um, you know, when my growing up in, you know, my dad's era, he was in the military for 20, 22 years. And then he went to work in a place that he stayed at, you know, until he passed away. I mean, people spent 20 years at companies and 30 years at companies and and all of that. And that changed um, somewhere around the. 2000. I want to say it was 2005. There was a book that was written called um, "Quit Your Job, Get a Raise," and it was all about the way to get raises and big raises is to quit your to apply for other jobs, play the salary game, and then go to that job. And you do that every few years, and that's how. And it became a trend. Corporate America. Corporate America is all about the trend. It's all about the trends. You can see it sweeping the the trends, and that became a trend, and people just stopped staying. And then what happened is companies stopped having pension plans, oh, yeah. companies stopped having lots of lots of other things uh, that were happening. So uh, programs, education, train program.
2: people. I mean, you, you what, if Yes, you're recruiting right. You invest and you find the right kind of people. The flip to that is there's, you know, a technology generation and all that's that's playing that game of hopping around. They don't have loyalties. They don't have a sense of community. That's hard to deal with. If you can find a place that does value uh, where I'm at, we are very lucky for the most part, we've got pretty good longevity and and people enjoy what they're doing and, you know, want to stay in there and and do that. And that's,
1: company culture and we can talk about that in another interview this has been really fantastic before we uh close it up the one thing we ask all of our uh guests is to tell us a fun fact about them just a way for our audience to feel like they know you a little bit better so george lewis what is your fun fact
2: i did not get coached on this so i might you know i don't i I gotta stay away from the ones that would get me in trouble but um (laughs) i I'm certainly uh, a, a history buff. Um, I, you know, real like real history not spends on history. Um, I like the the facts behind it. And to such an extent that I'm a big um, fan of the history of special operations. In uh, in the world, but really in the United States, um, going back to the earliest ranger organizations that came out of the um, French and Indian period with Rogers Rangers and those kind of things. So I have done papers and graduate study on and uh, to the extent that I used to do a lot of living history uh, and it snobbishly uh, we would scoff at living history folks because we were we considered ourselves experimental archaeologists um, we didn't go play with uh, a living history we actually recreated materials um you know in making leathers and everything else um, and worked hard to try to through experience replace holes in the written history of things so we would go out um, trekking and, and living on the land in wood period equipment, wood period garb. Uh, so much so my, my wife picks on me. It was at Fort Wachuca once I decided on my own as a good introvert because I I, I like to portray a long hunter and a colonial scout. So not only be in the special operations community, but being the individual solo um kind of Folks and actually carried that over to a profession uh, in JSOC doing similar type work, but uh, was was trekking along a mountain by myself for several days in period garb with a period accoutrements and flintlock rifle and nothing on me, but uh, maybe a little bit of jerk meat because I was going to go hungry if I couldn't uh Hunt for myself in the land and all, but towards the end of it, it was really fun. I was wa- walking out a trail and came across what I would call Flatlanders, um which were you know modern day folks that uh, they thought they had hit an episode of The Last of the Dog Men or something. And <laughs> <laughs> it took me a lot to break character usually, in those and have you know, fun with really. it. <laughs>
0: I think he I've scared him to things. death. <laughs> they, That's hilarious! Oh my gosh! And, they see uh, this. Know, I'd,
2: I'd ask him, "What was that big iron bird up in the sky that uh, you know, <laughs> had that trail coming from it?" Kind of thing. And uh, they
1: found the boy raised by wolves. They found him. They found them. <laughs> <laughs> they see this. Right. So to
2: me, history is important. Facts are important, and I just, yeah. to the extent that I, you know, I love the. Uh, um, understanding, you know, my favorite anecdote in life is everybody loves to talk about um uh Nathan Hale and you know uh uh being this great uh patriot for the Americas. I like actually looking at who the characters in history were that we don't finally remember but really trying to understand them. And you know, um if it came to Nathan Hale he actually got rolled up by my hero. Um Rogers of Rogers Rangers when he was working for the British, doing counterintelligence um, and actually rolled him up. and Rogers tried to work for Washington, but the politics around other people that knew him said no, so he went to work for the British and he ends up rolling up one of Washington's spies in the process. It's kind of like Benedict Arnold. you know everybody thinks yeah. of him as the, the traitor West Point. Um, when he was really the hero of America. And it was his treachery was in such contrast to, you know, folks thought he should have been Washington for the longest time and leading the, the, the army. Um, he was a hero at Syracuse. He was really the hero that built the first Navy that countered the British, that gave Washington a winner to prepare his troops and all. So I love looking at real history, not the popular history that's interesting
1: yeah i like that i think that's amazing yeah it is. it's uh it does change um it it changed the view like you were talking about benedict arnold if you look at all of the facts like if you look at all the facts and all of the outcomes the view can look a little different in the end so very cool i like that very very cool well thank you so much george uh we will definitely be having you back on the show. There's so much to talk about, um, uh, but uh, we appreciate your time. It was really, really fantastic. Another, another great show. Thank, uh, thank you all for listening. We appreciate your time, and we will never waste it. And to our transitioning military veterans, our focus is to bring you the aim small, miss small concept, and hone your focus into each transition process step. Until next time.
0: This has been the Tactical Transition Podcast. Thank you for listening. Be sure to push the follow button on our podcast and subscribe to
1: eselseminars.com.